0: okay so we know by now we're doing our core practices we do this every year Um, we've seen the icons we've heard the sermons so why do we keep doing these every year and Adam's kind of talked about he's done the messages up until now and you know we start with following Jesus which is really what it's all about you got to start with that one and and as we kind of say in our church, just living like Jesus in our everyday lives, okay? Not a perfect life, but as much as what we saw Jesus do, let's do that. And let it be not just what's lived here, but when we go out into the world. And then we get into love neighbor, um, which is the one we probably talk about the most in this church, loving neighbor, um, especially with the things that we do at The Rock, and um, And there's this phrase that Adam, the sentence that Adam said, and I know we've said it before, but the love of God is in you when the love of neighbor is flowing out of you. And I bring that up because both of those feed directly into this fourth core practice of creating space. Um, We learn from Jesus how to do this and why we should do it. And it propels us to then be able to love our neighbors fully, Um, not on our own, but with God's strength. Um, The type of love that we're talking about when we say love neighbor is transformational. And you'll see that word transformational in this core practice. Last week, Adam spoke about growing disciples, that that's basically how we fulfill the Great Commission. And that it starts um, for some people when they're just down in that little room over there. For other people, it starts when they're much older. Our youth... They're right in the thick of it, too. Um, And a lot of our neighbors, maybe they're hearing about the Jesus of love for the very first time when we're speaking about Jesus um, at The Rock, at Neighborhood Table. And I don't know about you, but every time we do this, I think, wow, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of stuff to do. If you think of it as, to be a good Christian, you got to do this, this, and this, it kind of seems almost impossible. Um, Or it seems like, wow, do you do anything else in your life? Because that's a lot. And especially those of us who have been around around a while, and maybe last year or maybe the year before, we thought, oh, yeah, I was going to make a whole new change this year. And then a year goes by, and then we kind of beat ourselves up about that. Um, or maybe for some people who are just learning about how to live a life with Jesus, they're thinking, I don't know if, like, that's what I want my life to be all about. And it could be because they haven't really experienced the love. They're still in that first part of even learning what it means to follow Jesus. But it could also be because they have challenges that maybe some of us in here don't understand. Um, and it can be, seem impossible and it can certainly be exhausting. I look around in this room with people that I've served with for years, and if we tallied up all the tangible ways that we do these things, it would shock us probably to see the man hours like, added up on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, or if we just looked at a calendar and just went year after year after year, clothes closet, all of these things, neighborhood table, some of the ministries we did, we don't do any longer. We're like, oh yeah, we did that thing too. Trips, mission trips we've gone on. Um, all the different lessons we've prepared for the kids or the youth. It can sometimes lead to exhaustion. Um, but that's not God's intent. So this core practice really is such good news because Jesus modeled it for us. Um Creating space, you'll see it up here on the slide. We commit to make time for God and others for transformational relationships to grow. And this is something that doesn't always get a lot of time, like in the spotlight of like, oh yeah, this is important too. But we're going to look at a few places where Jesus really made this front and center for the disciples And um, it's something that we commit to in this church to practice. And we can learn this every year, and it still is kind of difficult, and we're still learning how to do this. So um, on the next slide, you're going to see a slide, like if you were here last week, you should know this slide. I wasn't even here last week, but I kept this slide because I really liked it. And when Adam was talking about growing disciples, he was talking about disciples live in a culture, um, like their reality is that they're either driven with achievement or they just numb out because it's too much, and that they have this narrative of I don't have enough or I'll never have enough or I won't be able to do it, okay? But that really the true reality in the kingdom of God is that disciples are called to Jesus' rhythm, so it all goes back to following Jesus, Jesus' rhythm of restorative rest. And I don't know about you, but when I think of restorative rest being possible, it really fills me with hope when I'm in those moments where I do feel exhausted or where I do feel like I'm not enough. I need to do more, but honestly, I don't think I can do more. I'm pretty tapped right now as it is. Um, And I have experienced this restorative rest, but it's not something you just do one time. Like, oh, I went on that retreat, I've rested, now I'm good for another year. Um, Jesus didn't do that, so I don't know what makes me think that sometimes I can get away with those things. Um, and so there's another thing, you know, I'm a pretty good student. I listen to sermons, sometimes I take notes, sometimes I don't, but I remember a lot. And There's another analogy that Adam has even said earlier this one. But anytime he's talked about this idea of creating space or opening your heart to God, he has an analogy about wanting a refill in a restaurant. Does anybody know where this is going? And you're like, waiter, give me my refill. And instead of holding it and being still, you're like, give me my refill, you know. And so the waiter's like, I want to. And you're like, well, I want you to. But it's just not possible if you're moving the cup around. And I love that analogy. However, since I've known I was going to do this one this year, which has been a while, I have really been thinking about that, and there has been something that has been glaringly obvious to me at school as a high school teacher. And I have students all the time that say, I want to understand, but this is tough. And some of them, you know, no, none of y'all in here would ever do this. Some of them are sneaking ear all the time and listening to who knows what. The phone's not out, but I know they're listening to something because those things really just aren't comfortable. Um, and typically, it's a movie or music, and <laughs> I just think, like, wow, well, okay, so you didn't hear anything I said, and they're thinking, well, I'm listening to you, because they hear my voice. They think, I'm listening to you. And some of you are laughing on the parent side, or maybe you have friends like this, or maybe you are this person, <laughs> even as an adult. Because one thing that's really good for all of the youth to know is that, you know, things. you don't just grow up and, like, figure it all out and become, like, perfect. Like, it is a practice, you know, a focus of attention. and And I just think of my students who are with their AirPods in, listening to something, and I'm trying to teach them something. And I know that maybe what I'm saying isn't the most important thing to them, but they really do want to learn. They're not trying to not learn from me, but they just don't realize that you can't learn algebra or pre-calculus and listen to a whole movie at the same time. That's pretty hard to do. I've never known anybody who could do that. Maybe there are people out there like that. Um, And so I think we're like that sometimes. And I, I like this analogy a little bit more because I really resonate to, I can be still. I'm one of those people I can sit in a chair for hours at a time and just think about life, reflect. That's not hard for me, naturally. But what is hard for me? is to quiet what's in my head. Um, I may be sitting still, but I'm thinking on overdrive the whole time. And um, that's really difficult, to quiet. I don't want to say quiet the voices in my head. Don't read into that. <laughs> but quiet all of those self-conversations that I'm having. Um, and even when I'm trying my hardest, I'm still having that. So. We really have to look to Jesus to see what did he do? What did he teach the disciples? Um, and I think that shows us a roadmap of what we can do. So the stories that we're going to talk about tonight are not new. You have heard them many times. Um, some of them very recently. Um, and one of them you will hear coming up at the around Easter time. So before Jesus calls... The main 12 that he's going to call the apostles. He was already out doing ministry. And if you remember, he actually goes out and does like a very extended time of solitude. And I'm not going to get into that particular passage. Um, But he's coming out. He's doing ministry. He's talking to people. He's going around. And he's doing some pretty miraculous stuff already. Um, And then he eats some grain on a Sabbath. Sabbath. And if you don't know about the Sabbath at that time for that culture, that was a big no-no. You weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. Sabbath was the day of rest, and that was a pretty good practice to have. This is kind of what we're talking about here. Um, and he basically schools the Pharisees about the Sabbath. He says the Sabbath isn't a checklist of what you do and don't do; it's finding rest in God. And he really said, and he, later he's like, "This is you find rest in me." And that was pretty groundbreaking. And so the Sabbath is intended for rest. So I may throw that word Sabbath in around a couple of places. And I don't mean like a day of the week. I'm really talking about this restorative rest. Um, so then the passage is going to start on one of those days. So just think. He's ate some grain. He's schooling Pharisees about what they don't understand about the scripture. And then one of those days... Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. This is in Luke chapter 6, by the way, if you'd like to follow along, although it is up on the screen. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Um, You know, it says what it says. That's a long time. And we think, well, Jesus is God. Why did he pray to God? There's a lot of mystery here. Um, And then when morning came, He called his disciples, of which there were many, and he chose the 12 of them. So a lot of times we say the 12 disciples, but really there were many disciples, and there were 12 kind of ones that get noted, and they're they're named after this, and I won't go through that. Um, Adam already covered that earlier anyway in the series. And so he designated them apostles. And this is kind of the start to this transformational relationship that Jesus had with these particular people. I mean, I think sometimes we forget that there were actual people that met Jesus, talked to him, lived life with him every single day, ate meals with him, and knew him very, very well. And it still just is astonishing to me that that even happened. Um, And we know these people were just like us because the Bible kind of tells us, like, look at all these things they didn't really do very well in the end, and he has to help them. But I'm glad for that. Um, I think it'd be sad if we only knew about the things the disciples did really well. So here's a couple of things already right off the bat. Um, I think of the word proactive versus reactive. Um, But Jesus is showing us how to create space. He knows he's going to have these relationships. He knows he's going to grow closer to some people than others. You know, we love neighbors. We love everybody. But there's always going to be some people in your life you're closer with. All right? So even before he entered into the relationship fully, he showed us how to create space, how to find that rest, how to renew strength. And it says he prayed all night. But I imagine that he came out of that really in tune with his father, God. Um, And he did that before. He called the apostles, the disciples, and so he shows us: we can create space, we can find rest, we can renew strength before we engage with others in order to grow these transformational relationships. Um, I think about all the times if I have ever spent a night in prayer, and it's—and I'm not sure I've ever spent an entire night in prayer. I probably would have fallen. I probably would fall asleep. But if I think of the times that even came close to that. It almost always came on the back end of something pretty traumatic where something went wrong. And I don't think God goes, really, you should have done this before you got yourself into this trouble. I think God is always welcoming us. But I think there's a lot to be said for this pattern of engaging with God before you know something big is going to happen, whether it be good or bad. I mean, I think about big life decisions, starting a new job, entering into a relationship, a romantic relationship or marriage, knowing that you're going to have a child, Um, having a new friend, and they're going through something really rough, and you're about to go eat breakfast with them, those types of things, and that we know we can't go into that alone. It's like we know it. But the busyness, the distractedness, you know, we might say a quick prayer. God be with me before I go into this. I think Jesus shows us that that's the time when we really cling to God the most is when we know something big is about to happen, especially when it involves other people. Um, And I think when everything goes down and it was a really bad day, there's, I think we still just cling to God because we see that too in Jesus's life. Um, I also think how many of the relationships in my life, friends, coworkers, family, what I describe as transformational in terms of am I loving them in a way that helps them see Jesus more? Of course, God is transforming us, and it's not up to me, but am I even praying for that? These are the kind of convictions I've had this time in preparing for this message. So if you're already thinking that, I am right there with you. But I think Jesus comes out of this time ready for ministry, knowing that even though he has a pretty good understanding of who he is, he's going to need community. He has people with him, and he's got to be ready for them when they start that journey. Um, If you continue reading there, we won't, but what you'll find is that Jesus immediately enters all types of situations where people are like, heal this disease. Cure, cure me of this evil spirit. Tell me what you mean when you say that it's okay to eat grain on the Sabbath. I don't understand that. We were never taught that. And you're now saying things that sound totally different than what I believed growing up. And I think Jesus is even showing the disciples This is how you help people. You have to kind of be ready for them, and you can't do it on your own. And that's okay. We don't have to do it on our own. So I'm about to skip way forward in the book of Luke. I'm going to skip past a bunch of passages that we have actually gone over before when we've done Create Space. Um, And there are many times when Jesus went to a lonely place. Or where he got away or even where he instructed the disciples to kind of pull them away there's times when there were really big miracles happening or where there was such a large crowd that it was probably very overwhelming even to the senses um, to just be in that crowd and so you think disciples you should be really good at this you know and um and just like us We've been learning about the core practices for years. We should be really good at this, you know. You can hopefully hear the sarcasm there. Um, We should be experts, okay? And this is what I was talking about. Uh, Youth, like, you think, if I'll hear it enough times, I'll just get really good at this. But the truth is, a lot of lessons are really hard to learn. So we skip all the way in Luke, to chapter 22. And um, by this time, this is like, you know, the Lord's Supper, he's, he's done that. He, we know this is going to, the crucifixion, maybe they didn't know the details, but we know that there's some really hard times ahead, okay? And they've experienced these highs and these lows, and it's about to be a really, really, really rough time. So Jesus went out, as as usual, to the Mount of Olives. So you'll see in the slide, this is now Luke chapter 22. And his disciples followed him. By now, this wasn't the second or third time they withdrew. We don't really know how many times, but it had probably happened many times. And on reaching the place, their usual place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. So he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, and he knelt down and prayed. So before we move on, we see that Jesus is even withdrawing from his close-knit community. Um, there's a time with the big crowd. There's a time with your close-knit community. And there's a time when you've got to just be on your own with God. And he's asking his closest friends on earth. To, stay, to keep watch, pray, pray for because you might not fall into temptation. We know there's trouble ahead. And we can think about if you a lot of you have heard the story before. So you know what's about to happen. Um, and how much is on the line here. And so as he prays, as he withdraws, just a little bit further down, Jesus says, Father, if you're willing. Take this cup from me. Basically, this is really hard. I'm going to suffer and die. And this isn't going to be something I enjoy doing. Um, but, God, it's not my will but yours be done. And I always wonder and think about how, like, you know, Why are some things in the Bible and other things aren't? And, again, that's a whole mystery, and I don't have an answer for that. But this is very telling to me about what Jesus tells us about being vulnerable. Um, You know, I grew up, I was a kid that was like, hey, don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. If my parents are watching this, I don't mean anything bad by that. Um, But, you know, like, don't cry over stuff. Like everybody else has it worse. Like just get over it. You know, be tough because this world is tough and you gotta be tough to stay in it. And I think Jesus here is giving us permission to say, wow, like sometimes it's so hard. You can just say, This is really awful, and I don't want to do this. I would really, God, I would really, really want you to take this from me. And I don't want to do this. Um, and still convey trust in God even when you're saying I don't know why this is happening it's not really the main part of this but I can't help but say that because um, this is just a tough little passage to work through so an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him how I don't know exactly that's another mystery Um, but it happened Jesus was in anguish and he received strength we know that that's what it says um, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. He's strengthened now, but he's praying more earnestly. He still knows the problem isn't solved. The problem of people that are going to hurt me, that's still going to happen. Okay? But I know my God is with me. Yeah. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And that's pretty graphic. Graphic. I don't have anything to say about that. So when he rose from prayer and he went back to his disciples, you can only imagine that he's had this experience. Even for Jesus, this was such an intimate moment between him and God. And he's still now got to go and deal with this big problem. And um, his best friends on earth are sleeping. So, it says that they were exhausted from sorrow. Have you ever been exhausted from sorrow? Have you ever been so tired from crying that you just crash in bed? I don't want to beat up the disciples too much because a lot of you are shaking your head, and I'm one of those people too. It happens. They didn't intend for that to happen, and um, they were exhausted. And Jesus said, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And so we think, okay, the disciples didn't get it the first time either or the second time or the third time. They still struggled with this idea. And um, we want to make time for God. We want to have those moments when it really counts to lean in instead of, like, disengage um, but it's not always going to happen. But this is why we practice. This is why we make it a point. This is why it's one of, one of our five core practices. And so I think this actually has much more to do about patterns. And when you look at what happened next with the disciples, and I wonder if any of the youth can help me out with this. Do any of you all know what happened after this? Any of the things with any of the disciples? Yeah, Jesus tells one of them, you're going to deny that you even know me. And he goes, no, I won't. And he did. He denied him three times. And a rooster crowed. And, and um, that guy, Peter, he really felt a lot of, he probably felt really bad about that. But you know what? He went on to lead the church. And I bet he told that story so many times. And at the end of the day, it wasn't, a, I'm so bad, but it's, God is so good. And he t- he took me back, even though I just said I didn't even know him, after I- witnessing all these miracles. Now there was another disciple that didn't return to God. Does any of the youth know? I can't help but ask them questions. Adults can help them out too. <laughs> yeah, Judas. Immediately after this, Judas betrays Jesus. And do y'all remember how he betrays him? With a kiss. Now, I don't know about you, but if my best friend turned me over to the authorities to be killed (laughs) and they did it with a kiss, that would be pretty rough. That would be a hard thing to go through. Maybe that kind of pain is almost worse than the physical pain, you know? And I think that if Jesus hadn't gone through what he went through, I mean, he's God. So, you know, I'm just speculating here. I just think even Jesus is saying, I know, I I need to be with the Father. That's my community. That's my family. In order to withstand some of these earthly sorrows. So all the more we need to. And whether we mess up or whatever, I think about patterns. So you'll see on the slide, there's some old patterns here that I think are easily to associate with. Probably you associate with at least one of these at some point in your life. Um, Being really busy. Being either busy by circumstance, which even if it is just by circumstance, that doesn't dictate your reality of this new pattern. Sometimes busyness is just of the mind. Um, You know, this week preparing, I actually really wasn't that busy in terms of like Uh, outside of my job I didn't have a whole lot of stuff to do but I found myself really being aware of me just being busy doing not really that important stuff and I was really (laughs) convicted by it so when you and it's because I was very hyper aware knowing that I was gonna do this worrying exhaustion we saw that being exhausted from worry and these things in and of themselves aren't like the worst thing in the world but when they become a pattern when the pattern of your life is being really busy, worrying about everything, and always being exhaust, exhausting, I mean, exhausted, but maybe also exhausting. I didn't mean to say that, but that could be it too. Um, you know, that just doesn't describe Jesus. Restorative rest, though, does describe Jesus over and over again. He led. He did a lot in his ministry years. And he really made it a point to have that restorative rest. And that is our signpost um, to do the same. Um, So there's a guy named Richard Foster. There's another guy named Dallas Willard. And they're both people I've read about, and you might have heard some quotes from them before. And... um, they do videos, they do books, and there's this Q&A with Richard Foster and Dallas Willard on a conference, and it's all on YouTube. And it's all very, very good stuff, if you're into that, like watching YouTube videos of a theology conference with these guys. Um, I can tell you more about it if you want to watch any of them. But there's something that really caught me, and... um, And it's just kind of like really stuck in my mind, and I keep coming back to it. And especially because I think about Judas, Jesus was there for Judas. Jesus would have forgiven Judas. Of course he would have. But Judas just didn't return. Peter, he's like, I'm sorry. And um, I'm all in, you know, with you. And it reminds me of how, always, always, um, God shows us who He is, and what we do doesn't change who God is. It just changes our perspective of who He is, maybe, or what we're willing to hear. like if we take our airPods out, maybe we're, we'll hear it, and maybe we'll learn something from it, if we're not, you know, listening all the time to something else. Um, So back to the Richard Foster, Dallas Willard. In this whole conference, there's this one little part, and it's very simple, and you can go ahead and put the slide up. Um, And Richard Foster, at some point, in the middle of the whole conversation that has nothing to do with solitude or silence or creating space. It just has to do with, like, living a life with God. But he says, we get a sense that all through the Bible, God is saying to us, I am with you. Okay, think about the Israelites from the very beginning, Joseph, everybody. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you through all of their trials. But then there's that hunting question he said. Are you willing to be with me? And that's really what it comes down to, I think, is that are we open to listening Are we opening to being still long enough for God to fill our cup? Um, He doesn't make us robots to do exactly the thing. He makes us in his image. We're creative beings. We have choice. We do things. And sometimes it takes us a really long time to learn the lesson. And we have to practice over and over again. And when we mess up, we have to try to create a new pattern but are we willing to be with him? And so when we're thinking about how do we do this creating space, like practically, what does this look like today in this year in my life? um, We're not really thinking about like emptying our minds because emptying your mind of everything is frankly impossible. Um, But even if you could do it, there's leftover things from your day that are going to seep in. And that's natural Um, if you ever spend any time in silence or solitude things are going to pop up distractions little worries oh I forgot about that thing oh there's this person I haven't talked to in a long time and sometimes they're not distractions they're maybe nudgings from the Holy Spirit it's kind of hard to tell which is which but I think it gets easier with practice um And sometimes, when we're going through really hard things, we just want to not feel the pain, and it's easy to numb out or disengage. Um, But when we spend this time with God, I'm going to kind of share with you some things about the hows and the whats. But I will tell you, the most important thing is the who. Because if you listen to Lectio 365 every day, but it's just something you do, (laughs) to feel good that you did it and it's not something you're engaging with, it really doesn't change. It's not transformative. If you're not thinking about what you're learning, what God is trying to show you, if you're like, I don't even really hear from God, um, it doesn't. it's not something you can change right then. It takes some time. Um, but the who is the most important thing. We're spending time with God. We're listening to him, and learning what his voice sounds like takes practice, in my opinion. Um, But how? We be we're still, we're silent, we're open, we're trusting, and we're vulnerable. Um, And there's a whole bunch of other things, and it can be uncomfortable sometimes. And the what? You know, we think about what we did earlier, um, where we're like, let's pause. Let's relax. Drop your shoulders. Breathe slower. Those are all great things. We listen. Prayer is great. But sometimes just sitting there and listening and being in the presence of God is so restorative. Discerning. Discerning is just a big word for figuring out what's true. And I think that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. And then we're formed. And it takes time, like I said. So we're going to spend um, a few minutes. Adam's going to come up here and play. And I'm going to give you this is something I do at school. And kids, y'all might have, y'all might, your teachers might do this too. And I thought about trying to change the analogy, but it actually really works. It's a menu, it's like a choose your own adventure menu. And what you do is, you pick one of these appetizers and i kept this even though it's kind of a school thing because you know think about what an appetizer does you know it makes you hungry for more if it's a good appetizer you don't do the appetizer and go home okay and so while adam plays i'm going to give you a few minutes to just try one of these things be in the presence of lord and listen for his voice be silent if, you, if you're like, mm, that's not for me, you could read and reflect on a short Bible passage. You could read the book of Luke, part of it. We're not going to do this for terribly long. Uh, psalm 23 is a great psalm to meditate on if, you, if you're not sure. If there's a hurting or neglected relationship in your life, pray for that if it needs transformation. And then I'll come back up here and let you know what the entree and the dessert options are going to be. So enjoy spending time with God. as we come back together, if you felt like, wow, I could have done that for 20 minutes, that's good. That was a good appetizer. Um, So here's some ideas, and this will get posted. All right. um, So you don't, you can take pictures or write it down, but, and these are not the only things, but here's what I would encourage you to do. Spend an hour this week reflecting on the goodness of God. An hour is a good amount of time get your wiggles out, You get the distractions out, and then it's just you and God left. Um, Practice hospitality. Prepare with God in prayer and give someone your undivided attention. Love them this week. Go into it strong, especially if you know that relationship needs that love and attention. Um, Prayer. If you're thinking, wow, there's something really on my mind. Commit to daily prayer for this in your life. And, but here's the thing. Really be open to this restorative rest. Ask for it. Desire it. Want it. And if you're so inclined to have dessert, um, my favorite part, depending upon the dessert, I guess, here's some things. And if you're like, wow, that's overwhelming, that's okay. You don't have to do it. Just like you don't have to eat dessert. Um, I know that's kind of sad, but um, but an extended personal communion, plan for a day with God in the next few months. If you do happen to choose this and you've never done that before, we have some resources available on our online on our sermon and resources section of our website. Um, talk to me, talk to Adam, talk to somebody else that you know has gone through this because there's some things that we can do to help facilitate that give yourself reminders a physical reminder a bracelet a post-it in your car so that you continue this practice of creating space and reflecting if you are so inclined you can track your budget of time money or energy whatever whichever one made you go oof is probably the one that would be more worthwhile for you to do and then you can reflect You know, your phone will tell you how much time you spent on everything, and there's almost nothing more convicting than that little thing right there. So as we go into our everyday lives, the question really is, how are you going to create space this week? And if we think about this, not are you going to do it, but how are you going to do it? Um, And it's for those, it's for time with God, it's for those transformational relationships. Um, with others as well. So God, I just ask you that you would invade this space and invade our hearts and our minds with your peace, with your restorative rest, so that we would become open to the life that you so desperately want to share with us. And like we sang earlier, Lord, let us become aware of your presence every day and let us experience the glory of your goodness. We ask all this in your name. Amen. May God bless us with faith in his abundance and his ability to multiply our resources with his creative power. May we offer up to God our time, space and energy with confidence and trusting our lives to be used by him to bless others. May we stand firm against the self-importance and pride that being busy provides, and may we resist the lie of scarcity that causes us to withhold time, love, and ourselves from God and our neighbor. May we grow in the quiet and unseen places with God, allowing his spirit to transform us in his presence. May the Lord Jesus enable us to show his generous hospitality to others at our tables, in our homes, and in our hearts. Go in peace. Amen.